We are back on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Our legendary Canadian rosters are set. There's some support for me. Despite no basketball players picked. I thought Steve Nash could have I was one. thinking maybe James Naismith would be an option as well. But I'm like, wouldn't we, wouldn't basketball, like, basketball is not insulin. You strictly pick people <laughs> born in the 1800s. I'm, I'm going for maximum impact. People can do one thing really, really well. That's innovate. Save lives. Anyway, <sighs> we'll discuss that a little later. Because right now we got uh, Joseph Cachero, senior NBA writer at The Score and co-host of Pound the Rock podcast on the line. And he's also our insider, which is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Joey Cash. Good morning. How How's are it you? going? What's up? Good, good. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing all right. Uh, I don't know if we're doing better than the Raptors. It depends on how you look at things, I guess. <laughs> I would hope. I would hope. Yeah, but like, you know, yeah, yeah, we are. We are doing slightly better. <laughs> we're doing slightly better. That's undeniable. Um, they do, unless they, you know, pull off two victories, they, they've confirmed a, uh, I guess you could say disappointing, but maybe predictable road trip. It was trending towards being maybe a positive one, and now it's kind of reality setting in once again. And that feels like the story of the season where reality may be setting in. Is that how you see it? Uh, yeah. And honestly, I'd say at three wins through six, you know, what is it? Two wins through five games now on this road trip might even yeah. be considered an overachievement based on the way they went into it, which is not saying much, but, uh, yeah, definitely kind of, uh, very indicative of the way the season has gone. I mean, last night itself in Utah was really the perfect microcosm of this team. They, over, they managed to do what they do in terms of garnering as many extra shots as possible. They end up taking 27 more shots than Utah did because of the way they crashed the glass and forced turnovers and do all of the things they need to do to make up for the other deficiencies in offense. And they end up scoring 128 points because of it. And they lose because they gave up 131. Very Raptors. Like they're, they've got all these half-court issues in the offense. So they crash the offensive glass they force turnovers and you know people might not realize this that that stuff has helped them still have a top 10 offense this season the problem is they have a bottom 10 defense so they find a way to lose a game like mathematically that didn't seem possible um <laughs> yeah like, truly the the statistics were outstanding um they keep coming up short in these games and it's a fourth quarter that seems like they let off the gas or they run out of gas i think they have this nba worst record in winning three point or less games without the clutch, without the ability to pull out one. Is it just because they are getting run to the ground with a lack of bench support? So you have to play your starters 40 plus minutes. Is there a little bit of a a missing link when it comes to being able to close out games? I think the fatigue definitely is a factor, but I think a big part of it is, they don't have, and this kind of goes to what I was thinking with the offense in general. And like the reason they need to kind of, like scheme it this way offensively where they have to, you know, get all these extra possessions and they have to turn the other team over in order to have a chance is because they don't really have enough kind of like half court shot creation. You know, like Pascal Siakam has become at worst a borderline all NBA talent and he can create for himself, but you know, he wears down at the end of games because he's playing 40 minutes and Gary Trent can kind of do it. But after that, they don't really have a guy that other than those two can consistently create their own shot. And in the NBA, you know, at the highest level of basketball, when it does, you know, come down the final few minutes and it's crunch time and it's going back and forth, that's really what you need is you need guys who can create their own shot against set defenses and 
on possessions where maybe you don't get the first option you wanted or you have a nice play, but yeah, it doesn't go the way you want it. And now you're scrambling and you literally just need someone with the ability to create their own shot and make it more often than not. And uh, maybe it sounds simplistic, but they just don't have enough of those guys. And then, yeah, the fatigue is definitely a factor, but you know, it's something I've been talking about a lot too, because I know there are a lot of people who complain, whether you see it on Twitter or you talk to Raptors fans, complain about the fact Nick Nurse does play the starters as much as he does. He's done it for a few years now. But, you know, I'm not saying Nick Nurse doesn't deserve some criticism for the way this season has gone. I think there's plenty of blame to go around, front office, players, coaching staff, everyone. But what I'll also say is that, you know, all indications up to this point or, you know, up until the trade deadline happens, and then we'll see which direction they take. All indications have been that the Raptors came into the season at least trying to win. And the way that they're playing still in terms of the effort and and the moves the front office hasn't made, you'd think that they're at least for now still trying to win and not going to the tank. And if that's the case, and if Nick Nurse Johnson this season has still been to try to win and milk every win possible, but he's got no depth and they are in these close games, like what do you want him to do? Do you want him to play Malachi Flynn more or Delano Banton more or want Jordan Gomez more? It's like, Okay, but then they're going to lose even more games. So I don't really know what people want from him in that perspective because if they want to try to win games, they unfortunately have to play all these guys this many minutes because they're, they just have no depth. Like a lot of the roster construction issues were not addressed in the offseason. Okay, so plenty to, of blame to go around, as you mentioned, and that's undeniably true. Uh, Maybe this is unfair to ask you, but could you rank the culpability for us when you look at players, <laughs> coaches, management, like number one through three, uh, who's like the situation that they're in, why, and who's most culpable? Ah, uh, man, it's a great question. Uh, you know what? I probably would say number one this season has been like, has been the front office and the roster construction because it was obvious they needed to address the lack of depth. They needed uh, some rim protection and they needed probably more shooting and shot creation. And I don't really think they addressed any of those like auto Porter would have helped, but you know, he's had a reputation for always being hurt. So you couldn't just depend on that. The rim protector they added was Christian Coloco, a second round rookie, which, you know, no fault of his own. I think he's going to be a really good defensive player. I can't expect him to step in and do it right away consistently. Um, they, they didn't, yeah, they didn't address them again. Unless, you know, if unless this is what they wanted, if they wanted to maybe hit a bit of a reset or at least retooling this season, then I think they achieved their objective. But if they wanted to compete for something significant this year, I don't think they put a team together that was near good enough um, and built well enough and constructed well enough. And then, you know, second would be a tough choice because I really don't know. I mean, early in the season, you can say, look, the fact Fred wasn't shooting well was a big part of it. But at the same time, I don't know, like when it's when a good shooter doesn't shoot well, I find my it's hard to blame them. You know, it's it's honestly just luck most of the time. It's not that they're not working as hard or getting up as many shots. So, you know, is the fact that Fred didn't shoot the ball well the first two months of the season really mean it's like the season's on him? I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to the fact they're they're not a good enough team. And even if bad luck played some role in it, because if you lose a lot of close games, part of it is just straight up luck. Like there's a lot of randomness in close games. But even so, if they had won, you know, a few more of them, they're probably just a 500 team. And that's not good enough either. When you're talking about, you know, are you going to extend both Gary Trennan and uh, Fred Van Vliet and end up with a super expensive roster? Probably not when it's just a 500 team. 
So a lot of questions going into next week, one week away to the trade deadline. And we floated this idea around yesterday about are the Raptors playing us? Like, do we... Do we really think that these next X amount of games matter at all to this organization in terms of evaluating where they should go at the trade deadline? They're very quiet about it. You're hearing rumors from insiders saying this guy's available, this guy's available, but we really haven't heard you know, anything of a concrete deal that's on the table. Do you subscribe to the theory that they already know what they're going to do? They're just waiting for the perfect moment and the perfect package to come across? Or do these games, this road trip, really have that much of a significant sway? And if they go all in, tear it down, add little baby chips, and and what direction they ultimately go? I don't think the road trip has much bearing on it. I I know the reports have been out there. I think there was one that said, you know, they might wait right until the deadline to make a decision. I don't believe that. But what I do believe is that the decision will be based on the offers that are out there. So even, you know, in an example like OG, I think they're very open to trading OG if the right offer comes around. But I don't think they're necessarily going into the deadline thinking we have to trade OG. Like, I don't think they're going to make moves for the sake of making moves because that's just not a good way to do business. And Masai Ujiri has never backed himself into a corner like that. I think... You know, if the right offer comes for OG and it'll be, they are open to making that move. If the right offer comes for Gary Trent, they will definitely, you know, consider making that move, given that he's likely a free agent this summer. But it's something I've said um, a few times now recently is don't discount the fact that even in the case like Gary, you know, Masai's track record, whether you go back to Denver or in Toronto, if the right deal doesn't present itself, I don't think they'll have any qualms about perhaps actually re-signing him you know, quote unquote, maintaining the asset and then moving him later if and when need be. So as much as I think the Raptors will make moves and are very open to kind of retooling this thing and resetting it a bit, maybe a bit uh, more around Siakam and Barnes and even Achua going forward, I don't think they're going into it thinking, okay, like here are the guys we absolutely have to move and they're just going to the highest bidder. I think the offers still need to reach a certain level for them to do it. We're chatting with Joseph Cachero, senior NBA writer at The Score and co-host of Pound the Rock podcast. Uh, so it was a night of contrast, I think, in Toronto sports last night. You got the Bruins and Maple Leafs and the Leafs depth in contrast looking pretty inadequate, inadequate compared to the Bruins. And then I think you got an interesting contrast between the Utah Jazz and Toronto Raptors where it's like, okay, the Raptors have some really, really solid pieces, but they lack the depth and the depth is what's killing them. And it you can't get enough out of those top end guys. And I think maybe Utah found themselves in a similar position last summer where they traded Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And now all of a sudden it's an abundance of depth, but you're missing those star players, those high end guys other than Laurie Markkinen who can really drive the bus for you. Uh, not that you should prefer one or the other, or I guess you might have a, an opinion on that, but are you maybe looking into the future a little bit where it's like, yeah, this team, the, the issues could be completely different in, let's say, a week or this summer where if they do make a couple big deals, all of a sudden you're in a Utah-like scenario where you, you got a lot of depth pieces, you got a lot of futures assets, but you don't normally have that or you don't necessarily have that top-end talent anymore aside from maybe Pascal Siakam if they keep him around. Is there maybe a glimpse into the future with that matchup last night in Utah? Yeah, and I do think that is a, that's a big part of the reason why, as much as I love OG Ananobi's game and his current contract, that's a big part of the reason why I do think they should, you know, again, assuming that there's a, a really good offer out there for him, move him. And it's not because I don't think he helps right now. And that, listen, if, they, if the Raptors are competing for a title this year or next year, 
I would not trade OG Ananobi because the surplus value he provides on a very team-friendly contract, being one of the elite 3 and D guys in the league, you don't trade that guy on that contract if you're trying to win now. But given the way the Raptors are kind of built, given the fact they're not competing this year and probably won't compete for at least a title next year, you have to think big picture and think, okay, is OG Ananobi going to be worth the near max contract or max contract he signs in a year and a half? Maybe not. And if that's the case, if he's the guy that other than Siakam can bring you back the most return now, you make that move now. And like you said, you actually do start addressing a, some of the depth, you add more future assets. Like if you can end up with a solid player or two and a few picks, well, then you go into this summer with either more depth for next season or more assets that you can then turn into another one of those star players. So to kind of answer your question, I think the an OG trade specifically can help them address either or of those scenarios, whether it's they want another star. Well, the Raptors already have all of their own first-round picks, and they do have a lot of young talent. You flip OG for more of that, you can then flip that stuff to try to get another star if you did want to be good as soon as next season. If you still want to take the, the long road, you can, you know, save all those assets, uh, just kind of add some depth. If you want to take that road, you can even trade Siakam in the summer, depending on how the draft goes, and turn that into even more young pieces and depth. So I think they can kind of go either way there, but I do think that's contingent on a bigger trade. You know, it would have to be either OG now or one of OG and Siakam in the summer to kind of get the kind of haul that Utah did with one of Mitchell or Gobert where you can address that depth or more assets or something like that. This might be a bit of a stretch, but Nick Nurse's reaction to OG not being available, I mean, we've seen this with, we saw it with Mike Babcock, where it's like, okay, like he's kind of complaining about what he's, what's at his disposal and maybe it's management's decision and maybe they're not on the same page, but it seemed like that kind of underscored, hey, maybe management is like prioritizing one thing while Nick Nurse is prioritizing a different thing. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it does. And I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting in general that he seemed that surprised by it. One, because coaches never, and, you know, nurse in it as well, like they don't show their cards like that very often, you know? Um, and so the fact that he was genuinely so surprised by that news that he couldn't even, you know, muster a poker face in that situation, I thought was pretty telling. So, yeah, I mean, whether it's not being on the same page, whether it's maybe the front office saying, look, we, this guy's on the trade block. Now he's got this wrist injury. We're probably not going to force him back into these random road trip games when the season is almost already lost anyway versus Nurse, who is still trying to squeeze every win out of this thing. And, I mean, I say that, but, it, you know, I don't know. It could have also just straight up been the medical team just saying, hey, he needs more time. He can't come back on this road trip. Mm. So, so last night, Precious Achua isn't the Precious Achua we've seen as late. I mean, it wasn't disappointing, but it wasn't Precious that we had been kind of counting on over the last little bit. But he's been a bright light and, and I think a positive that we can see, especially tied in with OG, because if he's looking really good, maybe you feel a bit more comfortable about moving off OG. Um, what have you liked about his emergence? And are you seeing more of a long-term fit with him and building around a young guy like that? Yeah, I definitely think... Um, his upside makes him part of, you know, whatever the Raptors' future is and however long it takes to get there, I definitely think they see Precious Achua as part of it. And in terms of his play recently, I just think he looks more comfortable and he looks more 
under control. I mean, there are still, it's precious to Chua. There's still going to be one or two random drives every game. Or you think, what the heck's he doing? Or, you know, sometimes you ask that and then it works anyway. But for the most part, I think he's been a lot more under control. I think he's making better decisions. He looks like a more comfortable and, you know, poised player most of the time. And yeah, just his combination of um, like on ball creation and skill on the offensive end at his size with his rim protection and defensive versatility makes him a super, super intriguing player. And he's only in his third year. He's still, I think, 23. He is very much a part of the future that Scotty Barnes will help lead. All right, last one for you, Cash. Prediction before the trade deadline for the Toronto Raptors. What do you see happening when you peer into your crystal ball? All right. The crystal ball saying, I think, (laughs) OG and one of Fred or Gary get moved. That's and a big I deadline. That, it's a big day. Yeah, and I, I think that brings back a uh, pretty hearty return. And then I think a lot will also be dependent on the draft. It's something I've been saying too. It's like, it, I, I think, you know, if, if it were me, I'd still keep Pascal Siakam and, and go forward with him and Barnes. But if say you trade OG and one of Gary or Fred in the hopes of retooling around Siakam and Barnes next year, but then say, you know, you tank because of that and you end up with a top two pick, the lottery gods are good to you, and you end up with a top two pick of Victor Romagama or Scoot Henderson, maybe then you decide, okay, now we've got two or three guys, you know, between the ages of 19 to 23 that are going to be the future. Now the timeline doesn't make sense with Siakam, as opposed to right now, where I think the timeline could still make sense when it's only one or two of those guys. So, um, yeah. Spicy. That'd be spicy. <laughs> That would help us with our content, though. So I, I'm yeah. kind of in board. I'm bored with that, Joe. <laughs> All right, yeah. I mean, it would definitely be interesting. Uh, well, we'll see you in about a week. Uh, appreciate you joining us this morning, and we'll chat with you after all of the dust settles. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Joe Cachario, senior NBA writer at The Score, host of Pound the Rock podcast, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Cash was great. Um, uh, uh a little bit, like, I like the willingness to talk about it, right? Yes. I think there's a little bit of a reluctance, and we've been talking to a lot of Raptors people, and this isn't criticism, but a reluctance because you don't really want to give up on what they had, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think everyone's going through their own pro- process with it. People are more willing to get there. Not, like, I'm pretty sure Cash is a pretty big Raptors fan. Uh, that Like, he would have that same connection. Um, but it seems like everyone's on their own timeline with it, and... Whether or not you're there or not, it might, you know, hit you over the head over the next week because it does seem like the most reasonable thing if Markin and like returns could come your way, that it's just something you have to do. We're talking about Kingmaker, position of power, finally having some leverage. This is where the Raptors are this season because they are so talented, but because also they are so flawed. Only one more week of the speculation, Justin. Yeah, it's been good, though, going through all this. because it's, Oh, yeah. It's, There's many pathways, many th- forks I, in the I road. I kind of like the choose-your-own-adventure aspect of this. Like it would be very, bucks. very disappointing if nothing happens, though. Like, if it's just like, the, oh, that, we got to go through an another option, 25 though. games of playing for what? That'd be tough. I, I don't have big odds on that. You don't have the energy? No, I don't have the energy. Um, before we take a break and we talk to our final guest of the day, which we're squeezing in with the Wake and Rake as well, so still send that in at 590 We're giving away tickets to Luke Bryan coming to Bud Stage this summer on June 17th, all week long. All you got to do is tune into the Fan Morning Show every day, listen for the Daily Code Word, text it in to 590-590, and you'll be entered for a chance to win a pair of tickets to the show. 
Today's code word is play it again. Play it again. Five ninety five ninety for your chance to win. We're giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow. That's the last option opportunity. And if you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets at ten a.m. tomorrow at Ticketmaster.ca. That's June seventeenth. Luke Bryan, play it again. Exciting stuff. Summer's coming. It is. It's right around the corner. Um, what happened yesterday? Well, we are live on air just about this time, 24 hours ago. Tom Brady announced his retirement. Somebody that knows him well is Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, three-time Super Bowl champ, host of the GM Shuffle podcast, host of the Lombardi line on VSIN. He's going to join us on the other side of the break, and we're going to talk about if this is really it for Tom Brady, if the February 1st back-to-back retirements is just playing with us, or is he really hanging up the cleats? That's next on the Fan Morning Show. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, the wake and rake is coming up momentarily. It'll be an NHL-free wake and rake mm-hmm. with no games in the National Hockey League tonight as we head into All-Star Weekend. Full slate in the NBA, though, so we'll have something to choose from. Before we do that, let's uh, talk a little bit about yesterday's big news, which was Tom Brady deciding to retire. And to do that, we have Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, NHL on the brain, three-time Super Bowl champion and co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast and the Lombardi line on VEASAN. What's going on, Michael? Good morning. Uh, yeah, don't call me about hockey. I don't know a thing about it other than it's played on the ice. I have no idea, but I appreciate it. Did you go to any Bruins games in your time? You know, I did. I went to one. Uh, you know, I love going to them. I actually don't watch much. I like the outdoor hockey. I love when they play outside. It just mm-hmm. mesmerizes me. I think it's fascinating. I think it's great. And then when you see it in person, I love it. But, uh, you know, and I, and I have great respect for several hockey coaches but I've, I've not been, you know, I don't watch it much on television because, uh, you know, it's hard to, to fit all these sports into your agenda. Well, the scenes from Fenway at the Winter Classic this year, uh, you can't really beat mm-hmm. those. It helps when hockey is played inside uh, the middle of a legendary baseball diamond. It looks pretty, pretty good. Uh, lots of synergy, though, with Boston sports teams, which means Brady was probably rubbing shoulders with a bunch of <laughs> Boston Bruins back in the day. Uh, of course, he announces his retirement yesterday. It's a simple video. It looks more maybe believable than the previous uh, announcements that we've had. So I wonder, is this truly it for Tom Brady? You know, I think it really is. And I think, and look, I'm not going to speak for him. He's a good friend of mine. But I think, you know, at this point in his life, there's other things going on. And when you get divorced and you have kids that you want to be a part of their life, uh, you just can't go off and run one side of the country to the other. I think his kids live in Miami. And, you know, that kind of keeps him in the state of Florida. And if the Dolphins if you can't play for the Dolphins, you know, who are you going to play for, right? And so I think at some point you have to make that decision across that line and family becomes so important and have a relationship with your children. As you get older, you want to maintain that. And uh, to be a vagabond, I don't think was the, the plan that he thought would be best. Uh, I think this was a pre- – that video, it's interesting, he was at the – 80 for Brady red carpet in Los Angeles. That video was obviously recorded in Florida. I don't want to act like I'm watching the Zabruder tape here, but that (laughs) that video was recorded in in Florida. So, you know, it was a premeditated decision and he released it on that day. 
Okay, so what is it about February 1st? Because he did yes, it last year on February 1st, and this one's pre-planned. <laughs> Something about February 1? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just he just does, you know, it's kind of a way to start the, the darkest month uh, of the year, I guess. I don't know. I mean, look, he once he made his decision, and you look at all the circumstances in his life and what's going on, I think probably taking a break. And I don't know if he's guaranteed, you know, I don't know if he'll go to Fox immediately. I know he has the opportunity to do Fox, but... I think certainly it, it may be time to kind of take a step back and collect your thoughts after a tumultuous uh, on and off the field season for Tom. Let's talk about the on the field season. Um, obviously, the, the stuff going on off the field is, is one factor significant into making this decision. But how much do you think the the season itself, how it played out, um, maybe the lack of success and, and maybe seeing weathering and a little bit of age that he showed was influential to this factor to retire i think part of tom is you know to climb the mountain is hard you know he he's going to start the year in february and and build and have to dedicate all this time and effort to it and you know that's part of of the, the the pie that he looks at his life and to do that it requires a lot of people to give up some of their things and i think at this point you know having the the year that he had in tampa the frustrations that you could feel him go through i think it just probably added to the decision is one of the elements that he had to make a decision on so you know you know i I think ultimately we all learn having been in the belichickian system that that kind of fits what we do i speak for that for myself as a personnel guy and i think tom probably would speak for that as a player how do you think this starts to shuffle the quarterback carousel obviously we've seen a couple moves we've seen some coaches getting flip around here but what happens next in terms of some openings and some positions that might be taken over by some young studs? Well, I think, you know, look, I think the Lamar Jackson is going to get franchised. I've said that on my show. I've said it on my podcast. I mean, that's a, that, that's a, you know, they're going to protect their rights. I think the Aaron Rodgers one is interesting because I think Aaron and, and the Packers are probably headed for some for, form of separation. But I think the reality here is, is what are you willing to pay for a rental? I mean, there's no guarantee that if, Rodgers comes to your team, let's say he goes to the Jets, is he going to play more than a year? Is he going to play more than two? If you give up two number one picks for a guy and he plays one year, that that's a really expensive uh, a rental property right there. So I think a lot of that comes into the equation. I think if you can't get a commitment out of Aaron for more than three years, do you really want to give up all that compensation? I think is Green Bay going to get that? So look, we all know Rodgers is a great player and could play two more years, but this idea that he contemplates it every offseason makes that challenging. And I think you'll see Garoppolo have a lot of people in play. I mean, look, the one thing we know, there were 70 quarterbacks that lined up under center in the NFL season this year. It was a record compared to uh, any other year. It goes back to the strike year in 1987 when, you know, when every team had to change quarterbacks. So that, that's how precious the backup position has become, and we're going to see a lot of movement there as well. So we're going to start unpacking, once again, the, the legacy of Tom Brady, the career of Tom Brady. But as somebody that has spent some time with him and obviously followed his career yourself, is there one achievement that Tom Brady had in his career that impresses you the most? His selflessness. I think his ability and willingness to take less money uh, and not be the gorger, not be the guy that has to be paid the benefit of the team. A lot of people talk about benefiting the team, but few put that into action. And when you look at the final four teams, which is really what you measure 
of success in the NFL. Can you get to the conference championship game? Because you got to get there to get to the Super Bowl, right? And it's the NFL's version of the Final Four. When you look at the Final Four teams, you know, there's only one quarterback in that four that was paid really well. And Mahomes could have probably made more money, but he didn't. And they're able to get him there, and he tilts the field in their favor. So Brady, by being willing to take less as a player, and not gouge the Patriots in average per year, allowed them to have a good team around them and allowed him to have a great regular season, allowed him to have home playoff games and allowed him to have the ability to win six Super Bowls and then win seven, his seventh in Tampa. So I think his selflessness is ultimately his greatest achievement. I love the Mahomes comparison. Not that you know, I'm saying that he's selfish or anything, but he, he got paid a, a large sum of money, and you saw the impact that it had on the Chiefs line, lineup. But hey, they're back to the Super Bowl. I mean, if we're talking about like, uh, there's no threat to the resume of Tom Brady. Seven Super Bowls, all the Super Bowl appearances. Like, it's hard to believe anyone will even approach his orbit when it comes to resume. But Mahomes might be a real challenge in terms of the greatest player ever. Do you do you see that, or is is this all safe with Tom Brady? No, I think it's really a challenge. I mean, look, Mahomes is able to overcome so much. And, you know, he's will, you know, he played on a really bad ankle last week and still was able to make clutch plays and clutch throws. So, you know, and Andy Reid has been a, a tremendous coach. I mean, he, look, he went to the six conference championship games with, with Donovan McNabb. So you know that he's got the ability and, and, the, and the stamina to get there. I mean, one of the cr- critical components of Brady and Patrick Mahomes is their competitive stamina. It's their, their willingness to never be satisfied, their willingness to never say, I, I, I'm okay, I got it, I can mail this in. They don't mail anything in. You know, Brady acts as if he never won a game. And I think it needs great coaching. I think ultimately what happens is we don't recognize the value of a coach. For example, Don Shula is the winningest coach in NFL history. Dan Marino, to me, was one of the greatest quarterbacks I ever watched play. There were four seasons in Marino's prime that he didn't even get to the playoffs, didn't even get to the playoffs. So you have to understand the value and the importance that goes into coach and player working hand in hand. I think we saw it with Brady and Belichick. We see it with Mahomes and Reed. Uh, we're talking to Michael Lombardi, uh, former NFL GM, three-time Super Bowl champion and VEASAN podcast host. Um, okay, so you guys at VEASAN have clearly breaking down the Super Bowl, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles are short favorites, one and a half I'm seeing right now. Do you have an early look, an early lean on the Super Bowl, how the Chiefs stack up against that incredibly talented and deep core, or not even core, just roster that the Philadelphia Eagles possess? Well, look, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be in any game because they have the one player that tilts the field in their favor, and that's Mahomes. And I think a lot of this is going to come down to who else is healthy with them. He's going to need a supporting cast. He's going to need Smith-Schuster at receiver. He's going to need Hardiman. He's going to need Tony. He's going to need other players to help him. And, you know, they can score and they can control the football. Uh, Defensively, they're all about trying to create a negative play. Philly has never really, you know, last week they beat San Francisco. I, I mean, look, they got fortunate. San Francisco loses their quarterback in the first series of the game, and that game was over from that point on. So, I think this will be a great challenge. There's no lead Kansas City couldn't overcome, and I think they could play catch-up. Philly loves to play from in front. I think Kansas City can play from anyway. And the difference is going to be how healthy is Mahomes. If he can move and run around a little bit, that'll separate a lot of the defense of the Eagles, and it'll give him a chance to make some plays. So I think it's going to be a great game. I think Philly should be the favorite, and I think Philly is, because of their offensive and defensive lines, the better team. 
but they have the one player you can't handicap, and that's Mahomes. Yeah, it's almost a perfect Super Bowl matchup for that reason. A, a great team versus the great one individual talent, the guy who can change um, the complexion of any game, at least it seems. Uh, not asking for a prop, though, if you want to give us one. Uh, we'll gladly take <laughs> it. Um, but is there like an individual or a matchup or something worth exploiting that you see that jumps off the page for you when sizing up these two teams? You know, I think ultimately it's going to come down to whatever, and the book's going to adjust to this, but this will be a passing game. This will be a passing game. And I think that, you know, the Eagles uh, always have come out and tried to throw the football to get the lead. So I think anytime you can get a completion last week, I was really all over Jalen Hurts at 21 and a half completions. Now it didn't happen because of the, the way the game went. It would have happened had, you know, the, Brock Purdy stayed healthy and stayed in the game. The Eagles were prepared to throw the ball, as we saw in the first drive of the game. They were going to throw it a lot in the game. The Eagles have to throw to get the lead. So a Hurts prop on an overtotal and completions, I think, is always a good play. Kelsey on a touchdown catch last week, it was a half. I, I recommended it strongly. It was my, my number one play, and he ultimately got the one touchdown. So I think it's things like that. But remember, when you play props, you've got to visualize how you think the game is going to go, right? So how will this game go? How will they be able to do this and Kansas City wants to throw it they really don't want to run it and Philly will try to throw it more than run it in this game so I think any of those player props that align around passing will help oh my 130 to 1 on Kenneth Gamewell Super Bowl MVP uh, maybe just <laughs> there you go price drop if they're gonna throw the gave, football uh, I don't know well he gave he look he gave San Francisco trouble last week because he was the kind of back that gave the 49ers defense trouble because of his speed. So, you know, look, they can still throw the ball to the running back. Uh, we shall see what happens. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, it's a great Super Bowl, and we appreciate the insight on Tom Brady and his career. Uh, hopefully we can do this again, Michael. Thank you. Appreciate you. That's Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, three-time Super Bowl champion, and a guy who's shared a locker room with Tom Brady. All right, we just got very good insight into the February 1st. Okay. First day of the second month, one, two. Oh, God. Oh, God. Right? I was all like, I Come was. Come on. That's so. You like it? No. No, 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 no. It's cringy. Like, who thinks of those things? I'm going to make this my day. <laughs> one, two. Yeah. TB12. The guy knows how to market himself. He knows how to be in like, the media. You're two, seven? What are your, what's your day? Well, it'd be February 7th, would it not? No, but his would be January 2nd. If it was true. Well, we could swap it that way. Then I'd be July 2nd. There you go. I think that's the. Well, just you wait. July 2nd, I'll be making a grand proclamation. Perfect. Sounds good. We'll uh, we'll circle that on our calendars. (laughs) Um, All right. So we do have a wake and rate to get through. No Toronto sports tonight. It was good to get some insight about next weekend. We'll obviously tee that up on next week. We're going to do our props sheet, which I'm going to work on this weekend. I'm going to release it to the public. We're going to have our listeners participate in a community-wide Super Bowl props sheet. And it'll be a collection of questions. um, And you can submit your answers. And we will maybe try to figure out if there's a prize. But we don't have the capability of doing that our bosses are listening can we give is someone he, marley's tickets like, in something tickets? i don't know we'll see we, we gotta we gotta talk about a meet it, so. and greet the more we put this off though the less likely there's gonna no, be a grand prize be, monday i'll have it ready okay so uh big monday's weekend wake for you. and rake it'll uh, be your done. excel spreadsheet 
capabilities will well, be tested? Well, you know how when how, you, how are you, doing this you apply for a job, not that I have done this specifically, but you apply for a job, you're like, oh, pro- prolific. Prolific in, in Excel? Prolific Excel capabilities, incredible, immaculate Microsoft. You know they have like Excel classes. world championships Oh, yeah, I've seen like that. that. We talked about that with Blake. When we had that live, because it's like literally what he should be doing. Yeah, anyway, and then you get a job sense. and they're like, hey, formulate this table. And you're like, I've literally never used Microsoft Excel. I can do Google Forms. So I'll be making a Google Form. Okay, Google Forms. That's it's great. all good. All right, let's uh, let's talk about your pick for tonight. Okay, uh, I'm going to, I don't love what I see. Hey, you hit the over last night. That was great. Thank you, Eilish. I was close. We, uh, yeah, Precious let us down too. Mm-hmm. The first time we bet on Precious, too. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, anyway, we, so we got Hall of Famers for a reason, or at least I, I, I think we should have Hall of Famers for a reason. We go to them when in need. Mm-hmm. I'm in need tonight, so I'm going to a Hall of Famer. The gold jacket has slipped over the shoulders of Julius <laughs> Randle on several occasions. I will trust that he will pull down boards tonight in his matchup with the Heat. Miami Heat. So Julius Randle over 11 and a half. I think it's at minus 110, minus 115. Mm-hmm. Just just do what got you here, Julius Randle, and, and I'll, I'll lean on the Hall of Famer tonight. I like that a lot. It's a popular pick in the text line for a reason. You go back to Old Faithful. Go with what's hot, with what you're comfortable with. So I'm going to uh, go with a player who's been red hot and is chasing a record that we thought could never be touched. LeBron James, even though he's 38 years old, he has been red hot as of late. I'm going to put... Plus money, LeBron James for a double-double tonight against the Pacers. He has been averaging uh, three. He's got three out of the last five with a double-double. He's really pushing for this record. He's about 82 points away from the all-time scoring record. So he's got something to something to chase right now. Um, and he's been pulling down boards as well. And I think that plus money for LeBron James double-double is a nice little addition to our parlay. So LeBron, double-double. Tonight at Indiana, Indiana plays with pace. Also, mm-hmm. the Benedict Matherin factor. Isn't there a little revenge angle, if you want to call it that? Sure. For LeBron James, because old Benny Matherin called out LeBron before he even stepped foot on an NBA floor. So maybe LeBron will have a little extra incentive. LeBron doesn't beyond... need any extra incentive, but this could I, certainly no, be I, a factor. I, I think that gets him going. I think it gets him going a little bit. I'd have to check. I think they have played each other already. Uh, I don't know exactly what the line looked like, but. LeBron likes to prove a point, yeah, so we'll see if he big does time. that. All right, so, but there is a potential that with LeBron that he sits and rests. Well, then we'll get voided. In that case, I might even throw in a, a backup pick, but I got to think about that. So I'm hoping that he plays tonight, and if he does, double-double LeBron James. Okay. Let's go through some wake-and-rake picks. Um, we got a couple in here. Uh, Gary from Caledon. <laughs> Brooks under was free once again. Should we run it up again today? Gary Caledon is on the Brooks beat. He wakes up, he <laughs> checks Brooks scores. Cleveland, uh, good defensive team. Mm-hmm. Guys like Jared Allen and Evan Mobley out there. Yeah, probably. I mean, they <laughs> they have a matchup with the Raptors looming Friday night, uh-huh. right? It's Friday? No, it's the, it's the Rockets Friday. Grizzlies end the road trip for the Raptors. D- do we, d- does Gary from Caledon dare do it against the Raptors? Probably. The team that Dylan Brooks wants to perform most against? Ooh, that's true. Should we use it now then? Let's keep going, but I like that. Obviously, Brooksy unders. We have used it. We have used it. Yeah, okay. Okay, uh, good morning, guys. My bet of Mbappe. This is Neil from Newfoundland. 
Over 1.5 shots on target settled as a void, unfortunately. Bad amount returned because he got injured in the 20th minute. That's a nice book that you use there, Neil. Uh, hopefully everyone's <laughs> book was the same. Return your bet if the player gets injured before halftime. I guess that's standard practice. He was well on his way to cashing with one shot on target in nine minutes. Not much on the tennis front today, but I'll go back to my last pick, Naskova. Four and a half games, uh, minus on the spread over Osorio. She's playing dominant tennis the last few weeks. But it is that's tomorrow Neil. morning, just so you know. He followed up. Oh, that's Because Neil you couldn't tennis. find it during the break. But he says the match starts early tomorrow morning. Okay, let's then, uh, let's save that for... No problem. It's not going to be on the Wake and Rake tomorrow because it's too early, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll play that. But take a look tomorrow or bet it now. Um, all right, you know this. Golden State Warriors plus 12 and a half on the spread. They've hit that 80% of this year, and they're playing historically against the Nuggets. Very close, and that's obviously going to be part of our next one, which is also Juliana going with Warriors on the spread as well. Ron from Markham's going Randall over rebounds. So they're going back to their old faithfuls as well, Ron and Juliana. And then Vinny Jr. in Real Madrid to get two-plus shots on target for the alt parlay. You just say Real Madrid as opposed to the fake Madrid? Real Madrid? Sorry. <laughs> Reading like, fast here. Yeah, alt no, parlay. No, no, no. Just, you got to drop that. It's, you know, one of our... Alt uh, parlay. One of our teammates, Devang Desai. That's yeah, one, yeah. one of the great be, tweets ever. Um, Vinny. I, back you know to, Vinny Jr.? I know Vinny Jr., okay. Brazilian national. Is he going to get that? Uh, he should. <laughs> All right, then we're good. Uh, All parlay. <laughs> I, I, the, go back to Golden State-Denver for a second. Yeah. Fascinating game, right? Because Golden State's been kind of like, you know, meandering about, trying to get back into position, see if, they're, if they can <laughs> capture what they had, of course, last year and for the last decade plus, it seems. Uh, and Denver's the stiff challenge, right? This is this is an interesting game. It's a big spread for a game that might be closer than it would appear, at least if you look just at the standings alone. So multiple picks for Warriors on the spread could be an option as well. Uh, another one from that game, Jokic over 11 and a half rebounds from mm. Corey and Port Hope. Jokic is part of the... The double, double, triple, double king. Exactly. You expect big numbers from this guy. I'd rather do that than points. All right. Because you might have You're a big to, rebound guy tonight, eh? But you might have to dip into the uh, three-point shooting a little bit more if you want to keep pace with Golden State. It could be that type of game. But again, who's betting against Nikola Jokic at this point? Ian, the snowplow driver. Odds aren't up yet, but Seth Curry is on a heater. Over 35 points should be roughly plus 200 or better. The lesser Curry going yeah. for 35 plus. Can't forget about him, eh? It's Eric, tough. <laughs> Eric from Burlington. Happy Baby Friday. Pick today's from tennis. There we go. Approximately 10 oh. minutes after the show is over. So got to get those bets in. Shui Zhang is ranked number two in the tournament and is the defending champion and is playing an unranked opponent. I believe it's Zhang, number two at the tournament, minus 150 odds. Eric from Burlington will take that bet. He's tiptoeing in Neil's territory. All day. Eh? Yeah, I mean, Neil, Neil's share willing to share. Share the wealth. Neil's willing to share. For sure. Okay. okay, so a couple tennis options. We got one from uh, European soccer with Vinny Jr. in Real Madrid. It's I Real got- Madrid. <laughs> Not fake, Richard. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> a lot of support for Golden State. Should we just do that? Let's take Golden State. That's the game of the night. I kind of want to watch that. Yep. I'll have more reason to watch it if we got some invested interest. So I'm I'm okay with the best number you can find, Golden State plus the points. So we're seeing uh, plus 11 and a half and plus 12 and a half in the text line. Would you want to go 12 and a half or 11 and a half? Whatever it is. Just pick, you know, whatever your book offers, Golden State on the spread, minus 110. Let's do it. Okay. 
I've locked that in. We've got Randall over rebounds, our Hall of Famer. It's set at 11 and a half. We've got LeBron James double-double tonight. And the Golden State Warriors on the spread. I'm going to say 11 and a half because that's where I'm seeing it on my book. If you get it at 12 and a half. And you don't want it to land 12 and then there's some discrepancy tomorrow. That's right. I'm You're gonna, a stickler I'm over gonna there. I'm publicly say forms. 11 and a half so then we know. But okay. if you get it at 12 and a half. All right. Congrats. I mean, you should probably take it at 12 if you can get it at 12. Plus 603 is our wake and rake for today. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful day. And you get those tennis picks. Nascoba, if you want it. Zhang, if you want it. And uh, Vinny Jr. All right. European soccer. No Toronto sports tonight. You have any plans for your evening? No plans for the evening. It's going to be a big nap day, I think. Big time. Yeah, we'll get we'll catch up on a little sleep today. Uh, any plans tonight for you? I don't have any plans today. I won't be on the show tomorrow morning, though. You've got... Oh, that's important news we had to share. Gunner filling in. Yeah, we'll have Gunner in. We'll react to Boston a couple days late with Gunner. He'll bring the energy. Sure, he'll be fired up. No doubt about it. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So this weekend, too, you guys are going to set up the NHL All-Star, which is happening. The boys right, are down right, right. south. Hopefully you get some lines on the game. Hopefully you get some prop bets for who's playing which I did sport. see someone, by the way, wearing the jersey. that oh, I, believe, yeah. I don't know. Did you say I don't want to break your news? You said you bought the jersey? Yeah, I bought, I bought the Austin Matthews All-Star Game right, jersey, right, right, which right, will right, never right. be worn It, it does look pretty him. good. It does look pretty good yeah, on red in hot. the flesh. They're hot jerseys, and now I'm getting one that might even be like more like limited edition, the fact that he's not playing. So you don't have it yet? No, it hasn't shipped. You'll have to wear What's it. What's going on, on here? you got to wear it on the show. Oh, 100% I'll wear it here. Okay. I almost kind of wanted the Western Conference ones. I thought they were nicer looking, but it felt weird to order like a Western Conference jersey. Well, the Islanders fans, they can do whatever they want with that Bo Horvat jersey. That's true. It should be a reverse retro. There you go. One of the ones that flip inside out with two different colors on each side. Now, why wouldn't they do that? I know. They missed the... Anyway. So... Next year. All right. Well, well, you guys will be back tomorrow morning on Real Friday. You get to talk to my guy, Charles Davis. Tell him hi and I miss him. As opposed to the fake Friday. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Justin and Gunnar tomorrow.